What's up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast, and I'm here with my guest, doctor of physical therapy, Bill Kelly. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How are you? Good to see you. Well. Yeah, so we've we've had a bit of an email correspondence for quite a while, but this is the first time we're actually talking in virtual face-to-face anyway. Right. So first time that it's been more than just a text in a box. So we're, we're making slow steps forward. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you were introduced, uh, or yeah, you were introduced to me sort of through our mutual friend, Ian, who I had on the podcast a while back. And we discussed all, all basically everything related to pain. So that was pretty fun. So, but, um, yeah, so wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about some of the some of the content that you've been posting about, and and we'll get into some other fun topics. But why don't you give everybody a rundown of uh, who you are, your athletic and academic background, and kind of what you're doing now? For sure. So, God, we'll start with the athletic background. Um, that's the most the longest and most convoluted. <laughs> Growing up, I was big time competitor, always a sports fan. So played a lot of sports growing up. Um, Football being my main sport, I dabbled in basketball for a while until that elusive six foot anything height never, never came. The promise (laughs) of being above six feet. Once that didn't hit, I realized I should probably hang up basketball. And then baseball is another sport I played when I was young. And once my career batting average dropped below, you know, 50, and I was like, all right, let's let's get that one out of there. And so I played lacrosse and football for a while. And nice. those were sports that a little more contact and something I could really dive into and, and go at full tilt. Um, then I played football for a year in college. I went to Merrimack College. It was a D2 school in Mass. And had all these high hopes of playing there. But once I got in there, I realized it's a job, man. It's, it was full time, you know, either practice, we had lift first thing in the morning and I'd go to class and end up sleeping through class because I was so tired from lift. And then you get out of class and you go to dinner and you go to practice and then it's 11 o'clock at night and you got to find time to do homework. Mm-hmm. And my grades were, were struggling. And I knew, you know, I wanted to go to a, a top tier PT program in the future and that these two things weren't just going to be able to coexist. So, Mm-hmm. dropped football made the tough tough decision to drop football at that time and and focus more on the grades and you know transferred to university of maine to finish out my undergrad because i'm from maine originally so so i dove in at maine and did my undergrad in athletic training and then in the interim got my cscs after i finished that before i started pt school mm-hmm. and then came down to university of miami for pt school because I got sick of the snow <laughs> and uh, ended up ended up staying here, seeing no reason to leave and have been here for six years now. And that kind of brings me into the professional world where I started right out of school, just snagged the first job I could get and worked for physician owned practice for a while. One of those just sort of mill practices, see how many patients you can put on the schedule in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, Real know, assembly so line. Was, yeah, exactly. 
see how many you can start on heat and then do, you know, 10 minutes of work with and then pass them off to a tech to do some exercises and then throw them on ice and stem at the end and then send them out because that's three people every hour and sometimes four. And that was very short lived. So luckily my mentor from PT school rescued me (laughs) and he had opened up a practice that was an out of network practice that focused on lower volume, higher level care at more of a premium price. And so I jumped on board with them and I started running one clinic in Coral Gables for them, added a second clinic down in South Miami. So I got to have a great experience of managing clinics, managing people and kind of that behind the scenes part. So when a friend of mine who grew a huge men's skincare company of all things called me up, he'd been a patient of mine and a friend and he also happened to be from Maine, which was just an aside, but he mm-hmm. called up and said, you know, we've got a little bit of revenue that we can put towards something, invest in something. I know you know how to build a PT practice from the front end. I know how to build a, a business from the back end. What do you mm-hmm. say we combine forces and go? And so here we are with Aries Physical Therapy and it's fifth week of existence and in <laughs> Now it's on to a whole new adventure of learning what I don't know and then trying to figure out how to learn those facts and those procedures and go from there. Nice. Yeah, it's it's just a baby right now. Oh, man. So it's, much potential to grow. Yeah, and that's the goal, man. It's it's grown really fast initially, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping to, to keep it going and and build from there. And luckily, I've had good people around me and clients that I've worked with in the past that have some some influence around have have really helped take that step too. Um, working with people like Steffi Cohen, mm. who's a world renowned powerlifter and yeah. Noah Olson who's, you know, just finished second at the last CrossFit games and then, you know, different athletes from your major sports, your football and baseball and, and basketball and soccer and getting those people to really you know, help out and, and put their weight towards it has been, has been a huge factor. Nice. So what is, uh, what's your typical clientele population like? So, you know, when you think sports PT, you think everybody that's walking through the door is high level athlete, but it's not always the case. I mean, they make up a, a decent amount, but my typical population is, someone who's a little more fearful that their athletic career is over and that's your older athlete. Mm. I get a lot of people that, you know, avid golfer, avid tennis player. The last patient that I just kicked out of here before your call came through was, is a master swimmer Mm. and competes nationally. And, you know, the last thing he wants is to slow down at all. He's, he knows that, you know, father time's no longer on his side. So he wants to do everything in his power. So, those people tend to really seek someone like me out or seek someone that's in a practice like this out. And mm-hmm. those are, those are probably the bulk of my patients. Gotcha. Those elderly athletes. Yeah. So you're making sure the, the wheels are on and aligned and the oils changed and absolutely. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. gotta keep them moving. A body in motion tends to stay in motion, right? So absolutely. 
as soon as you stop moving, like I was having that conversation with one of my clients this morning. She was like, why does it feel like when I take a break, it's so hard when I come back? Well, because A, what do you mean by break? She's like, well, you know, like my triathlon season ended, so I just didn't do anything for, you know, three weeks. Like, well, yeah, it can be hard to come back from absolutely nothing. So maybe let's uh, not take a huge, huge <laughs> amount of time off. But yeah, if you're doing something, if you're staying relatively active, then it's a whole lot easier to, to stay active. So but. yeah, for sure. It's a huge message that luckily a lot of them already have that frame of mind. You know, I'm not dealing with the people who are like, well, you know, I like just sitting on the couch for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. the people that are out there and want to be out there so they're cool. in that mindset they may not just have they just don't have this the the depth of knowledge where they will take a three-week vacation and then realize wow everything's been stiff and sore like all right well we took a step back not a big deal mm -hmm. yeah the nice thing is is the body will adapt to to something it can't not adapt it's, so it's adapting to right. something it's either adapting to a sedentary lifestyle or it's adapting to you being active so um yeah you can always make positive change there so alrighty, let's dive in to the meat and potatoes if you will all right so sure. tell us a little bit about uh about that post that you just recently put up with the, uh, was it an x-ray or? Uh, uh, it was my MRI that I just had. Yes, MRI. Well, you, you already ruined it, man. You already told everybody whose who's MRI it was. So. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's all good. See, this, so, is, this is why I'm not an Instagram influencer. I make these rookie mistakes. <laughs> Stumble you know upon a good post and then ruin it for myself. No, I'm going to take the blame for that. That was poor hosting. <laughs> so... Uh, cause it, I, like, I was just reading through the post and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And then, you know, down at the bottom, you're like, oh, and by the way, this is who this is. So just tell us a little bit about how you set that up and, uh, yeah, pretend like you didn't already tell us, leave us in suspense, man. All right. For sure. It's a little fake suspense. <laughs> so yeah. So when I was in PT school, I had hurt my back. So three years ago, disc injury and, and and so I just did everything I shouldn't have done first. And then after six months, I finally checked my ego and did everything I should have done from the get-go. And, and it took some time, but got back. And so, you know, just recently, there was a chance to get an MRI done. So I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll get an MRI just to see. Mm -hmm. Just see what it looks like now, three years later. What the heck, why not? Knowing that you know, there's a good chance that there's still going to be something that shows up on the image. Mm -hmm. And so got the MRI on a, on a Thursday. And then Friday there was this deadlift fundraiser for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I went in, I go, you know, it's, I hadn't looked at the report yet. Hadn't seen the image yet. And didn't really worry about it. Cause I'd been deadlifting months before and hadn't had to take any breaks. I, you know, have been a lot better as I've gotten older and a little bit less of a competitive egomaniac at <laughs> listening to my body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I'll go in and if 400 feels good, I'll do 400. If 450 feels good, I'll do that. If 
500 feels good. I'll do that, and we'll see. We'll see where we're at. Uh, mm-hmm. 540 is my PR, so I was like, I don't feel like touching that for this, but I'll see where, kind of where we get to. Mm-hmm. 400 felt good. 450 felt good. 500 went up smooth and felt good, and so then I I decided to stop there just because, and I then I got a chance to look at the report and the imaging the next day, and. On the image, it looks bad. Like, mm-hmm. It looks pretty terrible. <laughs> I have patients that come in all the time with images that look far better than that, and they're just panic-stricken. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why that image is such a double-edged sword. Like that too much information world that we live in is is something that can be great for us or couldn't really mess us up mentally. Mm-hmm. Because if you looked at that image and you didn't have the background knowledge and didn't know you know, that it's more of a how you feel sort of injury and that it was an old injury, you'd think, you know, surgery, body cast, never do anything ever again. Like, yeah, wrap yourself in bubble wrap to go get the mail. Mm-hmm. And so I just that's what motivated that post was, you know, take this image and, and look at how bad it looks. Mm-hmm. And but then you've got to look at the flip side of it and not let that image define you let how you feel and how you prepare and how you take care of yourself be a more valuable source of information and, and let your, you know, really listen to your body. Don't listen to just what, what's on a picture, what's on a black and white image of your spine, because they, they tend to look that way. And, and, you know, anybody who's healthy can still have a disc injury, but feel fine. And as long as you're doing the right sort of things to, prep yourself and and handle the load that you want to put yourself under you know you can find a way to do it mm-hmm. that's yeah seeing that picture I was shocked when I scrolled to the next picture and you know saw you lifting all that weight I was like oh okay wow this must be from a long long time ago and then I like reread the post because everybody looks at pictures first like that's just the way it is yeah for um, sure <laughs> Most people don't read the captions, unfortunately. Yep. But uh, I went back and reread it, and I was like, "Oh wow, this was would you say like 26 hours beforehand or whatever?" So yeah, yeah, that image was one day before, one day and a couple hours. So. Yeah. So that leads us into what I would consider a a really tough topic for specifically for athletes. So how do you come back? stronger how do you come back more resilient and not just physically but really mentally stronger and mentally tough and and how do you get that athletic edge back after an injury that can you know potentially end your career or or at least set you back like make it so that you you're really questioning like okay do i need to be doing this so i'm glad you brought that because that mental portion was by far and away the hardest part for me as an athlete and as a competitive person mm-hmm. because and especially with my upbringing my upbringing was oh it hurts like suck it up don't be a baby go do like just get back out there mm-hmm. you know walk it off rub some dirt on it and all of that and just checking that ego and understanding that the light at the end at the end of the tunnel is there even if it's very very far away it's there and just taking the necessary steps without trying to skip a step. 
Mm-hmm. As an athlete, you're always trying to, well, let's skip steps two and three, get to four, because that's going to get me back to, you know, step 10, which is playing again that much faster. Mm-hmm. And so just really ramping down the ego and understanding that those steps, those steps aren't skippable. There's no way around any of those steps. You've got to take each one in stride, even if you feel great. And step four seems like a waste of time. It's not. And so... Mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing for me and for a lot of people is just really checking your ego and slowing yourself down because you do want to go zero to a hundred. It's just instinct. You know, it's just something that's bred into you at that point to move as fast as possible when that's not always the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the big thing for me too was always sense the injury. Like I've got to, I've got to understand that, it's still there. Like it doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me, but it is there. So I need to be a little bit more diligent in my warm up, my prep, my accessory work mm-hmm. and listening to how I feel on a certain day. If I go in and I feel stiff or I don't feel hundred percent and that day I'm supposed to go hundred percent, I've got to be able to swallow that pride and change that plan and say, okay, today's not the day we go hundred percent. We back it off a little and Mm-hmm. reassess and maybe we go hundred percent, you know, one or two days later. Gotcha. No, that's, that can be really tough just because, you know, if you do, if you do come from that athletic background where you are really competitive and then now you're in a position where, um, like let's say you're weeks, months, years out of a, out of an injury. Like I injured my back when I was in college and I went from, uh, finishing fourth at nationals my sophomore year to indoor season my junior year. I was lifting up bleachers, cleaning up after a track meet, and all of a sudden I saw stars. And like 10 minutes later, I couldn't walk. Like I was like, oh, this is bad, right? So yep. it took me it took me way longer than it should have to come back because I wasn't patient. Because as soon as I could move again, I was back to running and that, that ego, man, that's so tough to, to reset your whole mindset and look at things in a little bit more long-term sustainable, you know, time, uh, time frame. And I didn't do that. And so it took a really long time before I could, you know, move efficiently again. And yeah, when, absolutely. I, when I did get to the point where I was lifting, it was the same thing. Like I would progress too quickly. I wouldn't take care of, of ensuring that I was adequately warmed up and that I was, you know, <laughs> use, moving the correct way and using the right muscles in the correct manner. And uh, when I do things now, because like you said, it's, it's still there. It's, it's, I think it's always going to be there. And when I don't do the prep work I know I should, then I feel it a lot more. It's never going to be as bad as it was, but I'm like, oh yeah. Like if I spend, you know, an hour driving in the car, which is relatively normal for me and I get out, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of stiff. If I don't do something like that day, then the next day it's a little worse. And then the next day it's a little worse. So, you know, it's like, uh. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. So if I stay on top of it, things are 
things are smooth sailing. But if I don't listen to my body, like you just said, then I set myself back. So, yeah, it's exactly what I went through. Same. It's just a tough lesson to learn, man. It is. It is. It, hum- <laughs> it humbles you greatly. Yes, for sure. That's for sure. So, how how do you kind of get that message across to to either a new client or a new athlete, or if you're just having a conversation with somebody who's kind of in that position, how do you make sure that they understand like, Hey, here's, here's how this whole thing's going to play out. And it's probably not as fast as you want it. Having that image has helped. (laughs) Yeah. So now that I've got that MRI image, I've been using that as a tool to be like, Hey, look at this. This shows Mm -hmm. that you will get there. You just got to trust me to help you get there because you get either one extreme or the other. You mm-hmm. get these patients, usually they're, they're your older clientele or someone who may be a little less active, that they may not have even seen the image, or if they did, it was just as a, in a brief second when their doctor came in and said, yeah, you've got a bulging disc here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. They hear the words bulging disc, and they're like, panic mode, life is over, mm-hmm. you know, put me in a body cast now, and you've got to let them know that there is there is another side of this, there is a chance for healing completely like you Mm. you know just because they said you had bulging discs yeah maybe you had bulging discs at three levels but maybe only one's causing your symptoms the other two could have been there forever Mm -hmm. so getting them to understand that bulging disc or whatever terminology the doctor uses isn't this like death sentence swear word essentially it's it's something that's just the same as saying an ankle sprain or a muscle pull or even just an ache or a pain and Mm -hmm getting that to really sink in because they hear those words or see those images and they just go straight into the worst case scenario, terrified because of the stigma around it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your other end, you've got your athletes that, you know, it feels better today. Let's, you know, jump right into heavy lifting or something explosive or something plyometric or something that's higher level. And maybe they're still in the earlier phases. And it's not just, refined to back injuries it's any any joint mm-hmm. and you've really got to keep them in check and say look you've got to trust the process even though you're feeling good today there's still a lot of things going on under the surface that correlate with tissue healing at a cellular level at a molecular level we need at a tissue stress level you know mm-hmm. and not getting too far into the science with them but making them understand that there's still you know wet glue or wet paint to put it into a carpentry analogy that they've got to let dry and settle in place before they can put another row of, you know, building blocks on top or add another Mm -hmm. layer to the mix. And so just giving them the analogies and really getting them to buy into you. And the fact that I do a lot of these lifts and a lot of these athletic things has Mm -hmm. helped me gain rapport with them really quickly. You know, if mm-hmm. you went to a dietitian that was morbidly obese, you're probably not going to listen to their advice. Yeah. So, if, you know, and it's the same thing on the PT level. If I can't, you know, prove my merit by the fact that I can lift heavy weights or run fairly fast or catch or kick a ball or whatever their sport is, then they're not going to trust me as much as someone who can. So the fact that I can do those things gives me an advantage in gaining their trust and, and getting their compliance. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things about uh, the physical therapy field uh, specifically, but really just the the exercise physiology or kinesiology or just like the health and wellness profession in general, because it's it's not just specifically physical therapy, but I've kind of had this discussion with other physical therapists who have who've been in, on the podcast and just other physical therapy friends of mine is it seems that in general physical therapy kind of tends to in some ways not be aggressive enough perhaps on the front end just because most physical therapists don't necessarily have the experience to transition from just getting back range of motion or just getting out of pain into legitimate training so how how does having your cscs and how does act actually training relatively seriously how does that help you uh because obviously it does and obviously more physical therapists in my opinion should be able to do that but how does that help you uh get get your clients get your athletes more on board and and can they see that because you can do that um i mean you kind of already said like like you walk the walk, talk the talk sort of thing. But uh, yeah. just just seeing that from you, does that allow you to uh, perhaps to get clients or get athletes that other physical therapists wouldn't? Yeah, that definitely plays a role. I mean, like you said, a lot of PTs just once you're out of pain, once you can move a little bit, then they kind of lose – course and don't know where to take you next as a patient Mm -hmm. and that's a big shortcoming I think partially with the education system that PTs get we get a lot of the early phase not as much of the late phase Mm -hmm. so if I didn't already have that background I may find myself in that same boat luckily I have that background Mm -hmm. and then another part of it is the insurance component so Mm -hmm. insurance as soon as they don't report pain and can move and have decent strength and you know very limited ways then insurance turns off the funding and says yeah they're good enough let them figure it out Mm -hmm. so that's another shortcoming another reason why i built this practice the way i did was to help avoid that part of it Mm -hmm. and then you know just having you see a lot of pt clinics and i know i showed you around before we before we started recording but a lot of them just have your basic like recumbent bike and some bands tied to the wall and you know a table and an ultrasound machine and they're mm-hmm. in this old office building so their floors are like this weird hardwood like fake hardwood and <laughs> they just i don't know they just don't look good and then since i've opened this practice i've been in here carting things in and out cleaning up and whatnot and i've had so many people stop and say oh you're putting a gym in here and to me that's that's a compliment and a half because, yeah. you know, I've got a rogue squat rack and I've got barbells and I've got bumper plates. And like, mm-hmm. I had a 400 pound squat in here the other day. Like not many PT clinics have enough weights to load up a bar to 400 pounds and squat with it. Yeah. So just having it set up that way, you know, you walk through the door and you get a sense of, I'm not here to just 
get out of pain. I'm here to actually get back to full go and, and maybe even better. And mm-hmm. I always tell my patients that too. Getting you out of pain is the first goal. You know, get it, which I always ask them their sports of choice, their hobbies of choice, their interests. Okay, that's, that's your second goal, getting you back to that as good, if not better, than you were before you came in here. If you stick with me that long, because some patients will feel better and disappear. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them, I go, if you stick with me that long, you will be at full capacity and you will love me for it and you'll love yourself for it. You may hate me at the start, but mm-hmm. if you if you follow through, I'm committed to you. If you commit to me that same way, then you'll be you'll be glad you did. And that's quite often the case. You know. You still yeah. get a few people that as soon as the pain goes away, they fall off the face of the earth. But you're gonna have those anywhere. <laughs> For sure. So uh, one of the first guys I, I uh, had on the podcast, uh, Wade Rice, he's a physical therapist in uh, Ohio. And I went to undergrad with him. And uh, my one of the questions that I asked him that I thought was super important uh, was like, how do you pick a really good, competent physical therapist? And his answer was, if they don't have barbells, and weights and like like actual training equipment then go somewhere else because that that has to be part of it like yet you don't start there but if you don't get to that point where you where you're actively utilizing that stuff then you're probably going to end up in in that same position where you need to restart physical therapy so sure yeah so i think he would be very happy with uh with your setup there (laughs) That was the biggest thing when I put it together. I said, we're going to have these things. We're going to have enough in there where if someone healthy comes in and wanted to hit a workout, they would feel like they could in here because that's where these people need to get to on their last day. Mm-hmm. So, so do no you, matter their age, no matter their level. Yeah, for sure. So do you only do what people would consider therapy or do you also do strength and conditioning, sport performance, that sort of thing? I like to get into that overlap, that transition part myself to make sure, you know, they're ready to go. I, I work with some personal trainers in the area that are good. And mm-hmm. so I never want to step on their toes and hang on to someone who's completely healthy, who may or may not have come from them or could easily go to them. Mm-hmm. So once I build up those personal trainers, I like in the area because they need, I mean, I hold them to a high standard too. If they're going to train someone who came from me. They need to be well-educated on the same page, have a legitimate certification, especially Mm -hmm. in the day of, in our day and age today, there's so many of these certifications that are just slap some letters around and make it sound important and charge an arm and a leg for it. And, you know, people fall into that trap. So for sure, you know, so I'll, I'll dabble into the transition period. And if someone is adamant about needing my eyes on them for whatever reason, then sure. I've, I've got, some patients that are healthy and that are more training clients and mm-hmm. you know it's fun for me too but mm-hmm. when I can I definitely try to try to help out the personal trainers in the area that I know are are good and trustworthy because they whenever someone does break down they're always helping me out and sending them this way gotcha. just sort of a mutual respect sort of thing that's nice that's that's exactly what I try to do here like um I think I'm a little more competent than most personal trainers and most kinesiologists when it comes to uh, 
getting getting a client who's cleared from physical therapy they're you know they they can't continue because they're no longer in pain but they're not ready to like if they're an athlete they're not ready to go back to their sport or maybe they're yeah they're out of pain but there's a whole lot more on that road that they you know need to do so i i think i'm relatively decent kind of in that range um and i i love getting people back to where they're playing sports and then training them to to do that sport but without legitimate connections with physical therapists and chiros in the area like uh yeah it it's hard to find those those clients it's hard to find those people because they're like well i don't i don't know who to talk to because who does that right it's crazy it gets it gets very territorial around here Mm -hmm. personal trainers are terrified to send to pts because there's so many pts around that'll say yeah completely shut it down for eight weeks and that Mm -hmm. trainer is like what the hell i send you someone and now you know they're no longer coming to me at all and if and now you're messing with my money right i always tell the client i'm like dude just because your shoulders hurt doesn't mean you can't see your personal trainer to work out core lower body the other arm like i'm fine with that you know let's just not do these three things for right now Mm -hmm. and then once i get them back and it's to the point of okay now our goals are to put that last 10 percent back on your max bench or to shave that last tenth of a second off your 100 meter time like that's no longer my realm that's go see your personal trainer your coach or you know whoever you're working with for that like at this point if you're safe to work on that with me you're safe to work on that with them and just having that constant communication back and forth but it's shocking how territorial it gets down here PTs will get someone from a trainer and completely shut them down and never send them back. That trainer is obviously not going to send to that PT anymore. And it just creates this whole sort of headbutting turmoil. Yeah. I think that can be like for personal trainers. I think the, uh, there's a, there's this temptation that like, Oh, well, I mean, I know just as much anatomy and physiology as, as a physical therapist. So I can probably do the same thing. No, you can't. It's different, different scope of practice altogether, different level of, of risk as well. Like, um, so when you know what your lane is and when you're really competent there, then yeah, then you can, then you can be like, all right, my job's done here. Boom. Hand them off to this guy. And so when you know where your scope of practice ends, but you have connections with where things overlap with, you know, physical therapists, strength coaches, personal trainers, um, kinesiologists, whatever the case may be. Like if you understand where you can actually help your client and then where, you know, someone else can do a better job of helping with the client. Like you're only going to build trust if you're like, Hey, I know this guy, he can take really good care of you. Or I know this girl over here, she's an awesome physical therapist and she works specifically with this. And that's like, I can't do that. Like, um, yeah, it's territorial everywhere. And, but when you think you can do everything, then you're going to end up, uh, best case scenario, you're not doing your client a a service. Worst, worst case scenario, you're actually hurting them. So for sure. It's one of those things. So, um, when did you know you wanted to be a physical therapist? It was when I was in athletic training school. I realized 
They work far too many hours, <laughs> far too little pay. Very few of them have families and lives. They're working nights. They're working holidays. Yeah. And I, I wanted to be around sports. That's what brought me into athletic training and, you know, to begin with. And I'm really glad that I stuck out that undergrad because it helped me a lot in PT school. But seeing all these things, I'm like, damn, this may not be the perfect route. You know, where could I, where could I go and what do I enjoy most about the athletic training side that I could build on and, and maybe have a little higher quality of life and still be around who I want to be around, you know, the athletes and, and the active population. And I realized that, you know, these post-op patients are a lot of fun. Rehabbing these guys that can't play and, and getting them back to that point is where I have the most joy. So that was just a natural, smooth transition into PT school. And then having that athletic training foundation and having that time in front of clients and patients and athletes mm -hmm. just gave me that much more comfort when I got thrown into my clinical rotations in PT school. Gotcha. So That's cool. That was, that was kind of how that transition went. I got too scared seeing, uh, athletic trainers working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, being the first ones in, the last ones out, day in and day out, that I said, yeah. I need to uh, shift course just a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, my uh, a friend of mine, she's an athletic trainer. She actually had her on the podcast a while back, um, Olivia, and she is now in school for nursing, uh, like ortho nursing, because she was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like it's, it's so much work. It's so many hours. Like, like you said, you're the first one there. You're the last one to leave. You're responsible for everything. And so what, uh, at what point did you want to start your own, your, like your own practice, have your own facility? Yeah. So I've always had kind of, that goal and intention to be in some sort of leadership management ownership role mm -hmm. and it was funny the job I was at before I was essentially one step below that I was running both these clinics and you know whatever the clinic did or however the clinic did was how I did and there were these empty spaces when I got brought on it was here are the keys call me if you need anything mm -hmm. so it was completely like order what you need do what you need call who you need if you need anything situated, then let me know. Mm -hmm. And so I was very happy there, content there, would have stayed there for the rest of forever if it wasn't for this perfect storm of events of my friend that I told you about who owns his skincare company mm -hmm. approaching me about it because I'd seen him and his set of skills, building a business and creating that digital footprint that a lot of medical practices and physical therapy practices miss and really pulling in clients and, and, you know, gaining notoriety that way. Mm -hmm. And obviously I felt comfortable in my ability to do this part of it, the front end of it. So it just, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up mm -hmm. and it's been it's been stressful, obviously, as any new business is, but in a good and exciting way that really makes me happy I did it and happy to see where it goes because that's, I mean, that's the goal is to expand this out, not only within Florida, but all over the, all over the country at some point. Nice. That's awesome. So 
tell us a little bit about uh, doing some writing for men. Was it Men's Health? Yeah, Men's Health and Huffington Post and a couple of the blogs for Livestrong and uh, My Fitness Pal. So luckily they don't ask me to do the actual writing. They just <laughs> get me on a phone call or an email uh, with the reporter. Nice. And, and they'll ask, you know, the questions and I'll give whatever wordy long-winded answer that I decide to give and they'll pull mm-hmm. out the whatever they deem important or whatever fits within their word count and go from there. So I ended up, I got connected with this one reporter. She did a lot of freelance work, mostly in the Livestrong. I think Livestrong was the first thing I was, I was in. And so she got hooked up with me once and said, Hey, I need these answers by the end of the week. And I just happened to have some time. So I got them to her by the end of that day. Mm. And she was like, wow, this is amazing. Usually I'm hunting down these sources and fighting with them and trying to get these answers. So anytime she had an article that was relatively health and fitness, she'd hit me up and then it extended out to, you know, her friend who said, Hey, I got told that you're a good source for a health and fitness article for men's health. So, you know, could you contribute to me? Uh, I said, absolutely. And Mm-hmm. So now I've got, you know, two to three of those freelance reporters that write these stories and and live in this world that just shoot me an email and say, hey, if you have time, if this is a topic you know about, let us know. And if it's not a topic you know about and you can find someone who does know about it, you know, that's cool, too. Nice. And so I just kind of whenever they reach out, I help out. And it's actually it's been kind of fun and kind of cool and i was oh it's always fun to see when they post the articles <laughs> you get to read and see your name in there yeah and it was funny my mom so my mom's big at reading all these little articles and i hadn't even thought about it but she calls me one day just beaming proud it's like i was reading this article on my fitness pal about <laughs> you know the difference in using the stair stepper instead of the treadmill or I think it was something like that and talking about just the difference of going up steps and how you you know have to drive up and use power to move yourself up instead of on flat ground mm-hmm. I think it was just of it and she's like and I'm just reading this article and all of a sudden I see the name William Kelly physical therapist <laughs> for Aries physical therapy in Miami and I was so amazed I showed everyone at work and she printed it <laughs> She has it on her desk and it's like nice. like my third grade coloring project <laughs> that, you know, side by side. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, That's so cool though. Like yeah, whenever yeah. whenever you post that stuff and I see that, I'm like, man, that's that's really cool. So because those are I mean fun. Yeah, exactly. So and if it helps a few people out and you know, my mom gets to read a few of them. Sweet. Dude, and that's that's got to be worth it in and of itself, just okay. just to make your mom proud. <laughs> Who doesn't love to do that? Right. So that's hilarious, though. Um, <laughs> she's just showing you off, man. I'll throw on her back. Crazy. <laughs> Very stereotypical mom proud of everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. So how can people... Uh, find you? How can they follow you? How can they reach out to you if they're in the area and they need, you know, they need your help? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the easiest way is always my email. I'm pretty quick about responding to emails. So uh, it's bill at Aries 
A-R-I-E-S, physicaltherapy.com. They can always go check out the website, ariesphysicaltherapy.com. My personal Instagram, they're more than happy to follow. It's, you know, once in a while I throw a great post in there with me lifting something or doing something active. Other than that, the only good pictures I can seem to take are dog photos. So <laughs> you get a lot of my dog. Nothing wrong with that. At, at B Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, D-P-T, or the company Instagram, which is very barren right now, but I'm working on it, is Aries underscore PT. Nice. So any of those ways. If they're in the area, then always reach out via email or, I mean, if they want, they can always call in or text into the office, which is 954-247-4929. Still memorizing that one. But <laughs> that number is through Google Voice, which has been clutch. So that's either, you know, call or text, which patients love. Awesome. Awesome. So I like to give everybody a little time to uh, like share any pieces of advice or anything important that you think uh, people watching or listening should hear. So take it away. Now's your time. I think we actually covered my biggest piece of advice, which is you kind of brought it up based on what somebody else said that you had on the podcast. And that's really do your research and find the right PT in person for you. I mean, we're starting to get into that model where insurance is covering less and you may have to start paying more if you want to get the quality of treatment that you deserve and should have. Mm. So, you know, really start to think of value for service and, you know, your body is an investment invest in your health, invest in your body, and you'll really see the difference if you maybe, you know, put in a little more effort and a little more financially, you're going to make that back tenfold in your happiness and quality of life on the tail end. So that mm. would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to view the body as something that you need to invest in when it comes to health and fitness. It can be really easy in other ways. Like, Oh, like everybody knows they need to sleep. Everybody knows they need to, um, you know, to eat healthy and, and to exercise, but it can be really difficult to do all three of those things when you're working really hard so that you can put money into your retirement account. Right. So, but what good is that if when you get there, you're not able to move, you're not able to, your, your quality of life is poor. And, um, yeah, you've stressed your entire body out because you're not sleeping and you're not eating well and you're not active. You gotta, yeah. you gotta invest in it. You gotta take care of the machine. Exactly. So you can enjoy it when you get to those leisure years. For sure. Yeah. And you'll enjoy it more now too. So. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. This was great. This was my uh, first podcast experience. So hopefully nice. it turns out okay. Hopefully we get a few uh, <laughs> viewers and listeners. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And uh, yeah, we'll have you on again in the future to keep us posted on how Aries is doing. And yeah, talk about more, sure, man. more fun MRIs, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime, man. I appreciate it. And if you ever make it down to South Florida way, then come by more than happy to, you know, finally meet you face to face in person. For sure. That's we'll our grab... next step. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll grab a deadlift workout or something. There we go. Now we're talking.
Awesome. All righty, all. Thanks for watching and listening, and stay tuned for the episode next week. Adios.